technology is ever-changing. And with those changes always comes the question, so, what's next? We talk a lot about how to choose technologies that will meet your needs right now, but also set you up for the future. But as modern surveillance technology changes, it's playing a more diverse role in the industry. And with that comes more functionality, connectivity, and cybersecurity vulnerabilities. With that in mind, we're bringing back one of our favorite guests and the person we also love asking the question, so what's next to Gavin Daly. Hi, my name is Gavin Daly. Uh, I work with Access Communications and I support the architect and engineers in Canada. Gavin and I are chatting interoperability, bulking up cybersecurity and new technologies he sees on the horizon as the business environment evolves. Okay, Gavin, you're back. We're so happy to have you back for this episode. And I'm actually really excited because the new technology stuff is the part that I'm really excited about talking about with you because I know you're excited about it too. For sure. <laughs> now, okay, so when we get into technology, obviously technology is ever changing in this space, but we've spoken before in an episode about kind of how, you know, those Vanguard businesses, they they are, you know, early adopters. They leverage modern surveillance technology. They're thinking about the future. Um, but it seems that modern surveillance technology is really kind of playing a more diverse role. There's more functionality, maybe. Can you can you tell us more about that? Sure. And I think we've seen a lot of interesting things happen uh, this last year. Um, but I'll say for years, um, for as long as I can remember uh, that I've been in this industry, People have traditionally been putting in these systems and then wait for something bad to happen, go back, review, and hopefully catch some important detail. Hopefully the security camera caught an event or maybe you caught the license plate or hopefully we caught a face uh, and then do something with that information. I will say that the, the industry is changing. Uh, it's becoming more proactive uh, is definitely the trend. Uh, and I think companies and, and these vanguard businesses um, that you're talking about Avery are expecting a higher return on investment and I think a lower total cost of ownership and this is important um, because people are expecting more functionality out of the systems that they're procuring today uh, to be scalable to tomorrow and there's a couple of things come to mind uh, on that topic one would be audio network audio um, Take a traditional speaker that may be used to play some kind of background music. What about the ability to interrupt that audio stream and play a special announcement uh, and then go back to playing that music? Or maybe there's a security issue and it's 2 a.m. and we want to be um, proactive instead of reactive and we want to play a loud audio deterrent, like sending a, a loud audible message that says police are on their way and try to prevent the event from happening as opposed to waiting for it to happen, go back and review uh, like I talked about. But being, I guess that what that is, is, is being able to try and solve uh, multiple challenges and trying to keep multiple stakeholders happy using the, the same technology. And we've seen, for example, the other, the, the other example is the need for cameras to be able to detect out of the normal activities. Um, so I've seen technology as an example that can, detect even things like smoke and flames in a building uh, early on, even before traditional smoke detection systems uh, may go off. 
So it's definitely interesting times. Absolutely. I mean, it seems like, you know, the connectivity, as we could say, of the devices are also changing. And, and you know, I've heard the term inoperability, for example. Can, can you tell me what that means? And specifically, like, what does that mean for today's technologies? Sure. And I mean, the, the, the simple explanation is that it's, it's things working together, right? Um, but to, to sort of elaborate on that uh, and what it means to, to me here or how I could best explain it is it's devices that sit on the edge. Uh, when I say on the edge, it's devices that are plugged into a switch. Um, they're sitting out there on in a building, out on the perimeter of a fence, up on a rooftop, wherever they may be. Uh, we would call that on, on the edge. An example of that might be something like a, a network radar. And a network radar can be used to track people or vehicles uh, very accurately, even in tough weather conditions. But the interoperability uh, piece would be what what can that radar do and what can it talk to and what does that mean and one example would be tying it into a ptg camera or what we would call pan tilt zoom camera for anyone that doesn't know cameras that can be controlled to zoom in and move around left right up down etc that radar can take control of that camera and now track the object throughout the whole um, facility as long as the, it's in the field of view of, of the radar and the camera that could be a person, it could be a vehicle driving by, the radar would pick it up, talk to the camera. So really cool, but more importantly, very useful. And traditionally, you'd be relying on a human operator to have to do that. Now what you're doing is you're augmenting the system. You're allowing, um, you're allowing the department to run more efficiently. And really, why is that important? Um, well, we would call that open architecture. So in, when you're talking about interoperability, you have to kind of talk about open architecture uh, at the same time. And it's the ability to be not be locked in to some kind of specific or proprietary technology. Uh, it's allowing the devices to communicate with each other locally, which can help reduce the impact on the local network. And it's also important that as the needs of the business evolve, the technology needs to scale with it. and. The only way you can do that is is by working with an open architecture type system, uh, not to be locked into a proprietary one. So you talk about this kind of open architecture and system to system, you know, having things on the edge. When we're talking about interoperability, you know, would that be relevant in, say, something like a multi-unit residential dwelling or, you know, something within critical infrastructure sites? I mean, I mean obviously, this is working to complement the building or the facility's functionality in those cases, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely across the board. Um, so like a multi-residential dwelling up to a nuclear power plant or a, a large correctional facility, um, having that open architecture is still very important, equally as important, I would say, across the board. But does it complement the, the, the building or facility's functionality, I think is the question I would say. Uh, yes, it does. And why? Because First of all, it means that you don't have to necessarily rip and replace your existing equipment or infrastructure versus being able to add on to it. And we, we don't always have the luxury of being engaged very early in the design uh, to be able to make these changes if a facility, for example, was built 20 years ago. Uh, but I would say that if um, having a closed proprietary system is definitely can complicate things. Uh, versus coming in with an open architecture system. 
And uh, the other thing are, are, I would say are things like, just to talk about some technologies as an example, but something as simple as an intercom on a door or a gated entry system, being able to call a phone at a desk without necessarily having the need for complex hardware or software in between, when the application itself is really only, um, the requirements are very simple. Um, so we try not to overcomplicate it where need be. But uh, can it improve the facility's functionality? I would say absolutely, uh, because if we can help them with their efficiencies, uh, take staffing as an example, because we think about even things like retail. If you have a, a really busy store and it's only busy during the hours of, say, I don't know, nine to five Saturdays, Sundays, but it's very quiet during the week. Well, getting data out of your system can help you become more efficient. So in that sense, yeah, definitely it can help you with your functionality. Absolutely. And, and now I think we talk a lot about, you know, building and functionality, but like you're you're saying about staffing and retail, I wonder if you can just give me a sense of, you know, what's coming up in technology as far as you know, how these devices are used in different ways and how that technology could actually be used to support employees of a store or assist in on-site skills development. I mean, when we look at this technology and it comes to the actual support and training of people, are there ways you can use that technology for that purpose? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it doesn't always have to be a, a security-driven. Uh, a lot of times we we see just that, uh, just as you described, used for training, educational purposes, how uh, a certain situation was handled, how could we maybe handle that differently? Um, so we, we definitely see that all the time. So a good example of this uh, would be wearable technology and, and wearable technologies on the, on the rise. We see people with smart watches all the time. Um, but in, in our industry, uh, wearable technology would refer to something called body-worn devices or body-worn systems and it's wearing a, a camera on uh, on the person's usually it could be just clipped onto a pocket or it could be a little camera clipped onto the shoulder and we see this now in in retail um, so for training but in some cases it may be safety a security of the staff um, but that also transitions into other applications where we see a need for this so police uh, fire ems uh, security guards, uh, healthcare workers, who also can be using this for, for both training, but also safety and security purposes. Yeah, that's a good example. You know, we talked about this the last episode we had you on, but I thought, you know, when we're talking about these different use cases for new technology in the in this kind of evolving business environment, I do wonder, you know, obviously with as this technology changes, always comes this greater risk of cyber attacks. But I think it's always a question that we want to discuss when we're talking about new technologies that are kind of on the rise. So in your view, what do businesses need to be thinking about on that cybersecurity front when when they're looking at the, these technologies and the different use cases for those technologies? Uh, absolutely. And it's going to vary uh, from business to business and what kind of segment you operate in. Um, so if I'm a closed system like a correctional facility um, versus maybe a retailer, uh, I'm going to have different types of data uh, that I'm storing. And, and these are the kind of things to think about. What are the risks of, of a breach or if that data was to be compromised? What are we doing to protect that data? If you read the news, you, you read things like ransomware is on the rise and uh, very large facilities have been targeted and 
Um, I, I guess the, the, the point is that it's only as good as the weakest link. And if you're putting a system in, what do businesses need to be thinking about uh, as far as cybersecurity goes is that weakest link. Is what I put in today, is it as secure as it could be? Uh, are there methods uh, that I could implement to maybe lock this down a little tighter? Um, and I could take the very simplistic view of doing things like changing default usernames and passwords uh, out of the box. And for the longest time, it didn't matter if you bought like a, something as simple as a home router for your, your house network that would allow you to leave default settings on the device. Uh, and then all of a sudden you see things like being forced to change that default password out of the box. And that and that's a good start. I mean, and that's the most basic thing you can do. But then there are a lot more stringent and complex things you can implement that's going to make life very difficult for somebody who's trying to potentially compromise the system. Because at the end of the day, I think the the, the easier targets um, that have the higher kind of returns for the least amount of work uh, tend to be the ones that get compromised. So if you could go to, I'm going to call it company A, who has the barest of minimum of protection uh, versus B, likely the attacker goes to A because it's just going to be easier and they're going to get a, a higher return. It's all kind of money driven at the end of the day. I think that's really the, the thing to think about. How can I make life as difficult for people uh, and would put me in a, in a much more of a lower risk category, I think, uh, would, would be my my take on that. You know, the first time that you and I spoke about this kind of new technology stuff, we were really just kind of at the beginning of of this COVID-19 and the pandemic and everything. and And we talked about, you know, what technology are people bringing into businesses, bringing into their buildings now and, and how can they help in the future? And I just wondered if we could check back in on that, you know, all these months later, as as we're still in this pandemic about, you know, what's what's changed as we've gone through this pandemic and and how what technologies are you seeing now that people are using, but also adapting for for what the world will look like when when we're a little bit back to kind of a, a normal state? Sure, and, and I think that's a good question. And definitely, uh, we've been busy since the last uh, year. Um, a lot of this technology had been around for a while, but we saw new use cases for it. And the the big one I think I've seen probably the most of uh, is in the, the multi-tenant buildings. You're going into the cities, uh, businesses returning to work. And yes, there's, there's strict occupancy limits being passed down. And we're seeing the technology be used to be able to actually measure that in, in an automatic way and trying to streamline the process for people. So if you have, we'll take our office as an example. Uh, if you're only allowed five people in at a given time, we count how many people are able to come in uh, at a given time. So we know that two people came in, we are allowed to have three people come in. And being able to display that on a, on a public view monitor as an example, um, without necessarily having to have somebody stand there and, and guide people in and out, which you'll typically see in retail. But that's not really very practical to do in an office building in the GTA, uh, for example, uh, because uh, how many people uh, would you need to do it? And it just doesn't make any sense to do it that way. So we've seen things like that. Um, we've also seen, I think, the uh, we talked about the, the low-touch entry systems and the need for them that are on the rise. So we've seen, for example, wave sensors have been integrated 
you see a lot of that in, in the buildings and it's becoming kind of more commonplace now that people understand that when I see a sensor, I wave my hand in front of it, something happens. Like it's going to open a door or it's going to trigger a call automatically and somebody's going to buzz me in. And so things like that that are what, what seemed like they were new uh, back then are kind of becoming more more commonplace. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's been a, a busy few months, I guess. Um, and here's a question that I asked you back then. I think this was just, you know, right after Ontario's first lockdown. Um, but what's your favorite technology right now that's coming up to integrate into projects when you're working with architects and engineers? What's what's the thing that really is kind of lighting you up now and you're excited to learn more about and, and to get integrated into these systems? I think the, the big one for me, uh, what's got me excited, and there's a lot of cool technology out there, but not all of it gets me super excited. Uh, would be, and it's under the artificial intel, uh, intelligence umbrella uh, and what we're able to do in that space. And we have a, a couple technologies, but I'll, I'll talk about one. Um, they use the term deep learning. Um, you'll see out there in the industry, there's what's called machine learning and deep learning. But deep learning uh, is the one I'm I'm particularly excited about because it gives you the ability to classify an object. Um, and classify an object means You've got a traditional surveillance camera looking at a scene, and to a human eye, you look at it and you go, "Okay, here's a here's a car, here's a person, it's driving back and forth." But using deep learning, you're able to get a lot more information out of that, and, and it's really really useful because it allows you to uh, search events, for example, by object type. So I could say from the hours of 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. show me only people that were in this area. And it will filter out all other objects except for people, which is really, really useful. Uh, but then you can get more granular with, with the searches. Uh, and when I say granular in terms of colors, uh, types of clothing that they're wearing. So show me uh, only people with blue items of clothing on. And all of a sudden you can narrow that search down in a matter of seconds instead of minutes or hours, which it would have traditionally taken. Um, that's becoming more commonplace, more mainstream across the portfolio. And uh, it's allowing for, uh, I think it's allowing for operational efficiencies, uh, being able to find information quicker, and also be able to give you useful data that could be actioned on later. That That's what's been most exciting, I think, to me. If, uh, if I'm a consultant or an integrator, Anybody proposing systems, um, it's, I think it's definitely something that should be high on the on the list to talk about uh, and propose because the the use cases are are endless essentially. Now, for businesses that are kind of looking into the future, they're evolving their business operations. They're looking at this new technology, and they want to try to start to to work it into the plans that they're coming up with to uh, you know. Uh, improve the functionality of their business and the connectivity, what do they need to do as next steps? Well, I, I would say a very, very simple, short answer to that would be to call us. Let's discuss the application and let's see how we can work on a solution together. Okay. So if, if there's businesses listening or integrators listening who are working with businesses and they're looking at, you know, their future plans, the connectivity of their buildings and their business environment, uh, what would be the next steps you would take to, to start taking advantage of this new technology or just kind of to start looking into, you know, what the options are? Absolutely. I think the, the first thing would be 
reach out to your local uh, contact, your regional sales manager, and let's discuss the application. Um, it's all about partnership. Uh, we want to work with you together and, and help build a solution uh, for you and, and your end client. We'd be happy to work with you on that. Wonderful. Well, Gavin, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for all this information about this new technology and, and the use cases. And I'm sure that, that we'll meet again in an episode in the future. I look forward to it. Thanks, Avery. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to know more about new technologies and what's on the horizon in an evolving business environment, here's Gavin again. Hey, it's Gavin from Axis here. Uh, if you want to reach out and get in touch with me, please feel free to send me an email. It's gavin.daily at axis.com, or you can call our office at our free phone number, which is 1-800-832-2947. This interview was produced by Folktale Studio and brought to you by Axis Communications. Axis enables a smarter and safer world by creating network solutions that provide insights for improving security and new ways of doing business. As the industry leader in network video, Axis offers products and services for video surveillance and analytics, access control, and audio systems. Axis has more than 3,500 dedicated employees in over 50 countries and collaborates with partners worldwide to deliver customer solutions. Axis was founded in 1984 and has its headquarters in Lund, Sweden. For more information about Axis, please visit us on our website, www.axis.com.